श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जाय खूब प्रेम आनंदे So good morning everyone. Welcome nice to be here. We're discussing from Srimad Bhagavatam and we're in a very important section of the text that begins in the 7th chapter and as I've been explaining This is the section in which the experience of Vedavyas in his samadhi is described and this experience gave rise to Srimad Bhagavatam which is therefore sometimes referred to as the samadhi bhasha of Vyas bhasha means language so it's in a this is the language it's in it's not in sanskrit or english per se but it's the language arising from the trans the mystic experience of vyas that transcends the limits of speech of words of language of mind and so forth <clears throat> nonetheless it is arranged in some uh logical and grammatical uh, arrangement for our sake i've i've touched on this point at uh, uh other gatherings <coughs> that being that transcendence transcending as it does the limits of speech and mind and so forth having gone there having entered there and returned if you will to the world of uh language and thought and so forth <clears throat> one is pressed to say one is pressed to say something about it and words therefore have their application there are some philosophers who reason that because it's beyond words nothing can be said about it and therefore they speak about it only indirectly by way of speaking about that which is it is not it's not this it's not that mm-hmm. but the bhakti tradition as we are seeing here from the trance of vyas affords in 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 samadhi in in in, in absorption of bhakti in prem bhakti it is said here in the text that bhakti yogena manasi samyak pranayate amale apashat purusham purnam mayam chatara pashrayam and so forth as a bhakti yoga namanasi samyak pranayate amale that vyas was absorbed in it means prem bhakti because amale and samyak pranayate it was he was fixed there and there was no uh, interference no impurities in his uh bhakti mm-hmm. so in a trance of prem bhakti 
his samadhi, he experienced a unity that we touched on to some extent last night, as well as a diversity. He saw the Parama Purusha. He saw Bhagawan. And to see Bhagawan means to see and to experience the the Shakti, the Surup Shakti of Bhagawan that uh, Bhagwat is in Bhagwan is inseparable from, if you will. In Brahman the Shakti of Bhagawan is almost uh, imperceivable, imperceivable, imperceivable. One not able to perceive it. <laughs> but in bhakti, of course, this uh, primal shakti of Bhagawan takes precedence and shines brilliantly. Indeed, shines a light on Brahman, if you will, that uh, enables us to see him more more clearly. And there he, the Brahman becomes, if you will, Krishna. So I've often said that when people ask us if Krishna is the source of the world, what is the source of Krishna? Of course, it's a silly kind of a question, but our answer is Radha. And what is the source of Radha? Then Krishna. So this is uh, the, the dance of unity and diversity between the primal Shakti of Bhagawan and Bhagawan himself. So, seeing the Parama Purusha, who's later defined in upcoming texts, para Krishna Parama Purusha, in the same section, to be Krishna, hmm? um, he saw Krishna's primal Shakti. Hmm? As I said before, if you look at Krishna carefully, look closer, closer, you will see another figure standing next to him, Radha. And then if you look closer, course, you'll see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <clears throat> so, along with seeing Bhagawan, seeing his primal Shakti, Swarup Shakti, Chakravati Vishwanath has given an example, I believe Jiva Goswami as well, of the moon. So if you see the moon, you see its shine, so to speak. This is a way of trying to help us understand the uh, primal Shakti of Bhagawan, the moon and its shine. You know, you can't see the moon without its shine, but you can talk about its shine, its effulgence, its in in, in a way that seems that it's separate at the same time from the moon. And moon is a good example with regard to describing the Parma Purusha, because moon here means in this example means full moon, and in the full moon, all different phases of the moon are present. So all the different amsas and Columns of Bhagwan, his avatars, and so forth are present. So Vyasa saw the whole. He saw this. He saw Swayam Bhagawan, and Swayam Bhagawan, to put it again, simply is the one who's standing next to Radha. Hmm? Prabhupada sometimes said, hmm, "Krishna is not particularly beautiful unto himself, but when he's standing next to Radha, then he shines very effulgently, very beautifully." Hmm. I'm reminded of the uh, fact that in naming the different uh, deities, Radha, Krishna, Radha's name is always mentioned first. Radha Govinda, Radha Gopinath, Radha Shamsunda, Radha Madhava, and so forth. But as I've told 
other times. Prabhupada named his deities in Chicago, Kishore, Kishori. And Kishore means Krishna, and Kishori is, of course, a name for, for Radha. So one of his disciples asked him, why is Radha's name mentioned second in this configuration? And Prabhupada said, oh, save the best for the last. <laughs> so there's no getting around it. As he also used to say that, and I mentioned this last night, all the religions are putting forward the most that, that God is the most worshipable object. But in our tradition, we are emphasizing the worshipable object of God. This is Radha. In other words, Krishna becomes, the implication is, the idea is, subordinate to bhakti, conquered by bhakti, overwhelmed by bhakti. So this bhakti is very extraordinary, and that is the subject of today's verse. We heard he saw Bhagwan, he saw the Surup Shakti. Now that Surup Shakti is bhakti, but he's going to speak about the bhakti, if you will, aspect of Surup Shakti. So more directly he's going to say that he saw the Surup Shakti. He says first he said he saw Bhagawan and the implication is he saw his Surup Shakti and Maya Chatarapashrayam. He saw Maya and Yaya Samohita Jiva. Atmanam Jigunatmakam. As we talked last night, he saw the Jiva and speaking about the Jiva, we got lost in talking about Maya because Yaya Samohita Jiva. He saw the Jiva. Maya Chatarapashrayam. He saw the Bhagavan and he saw the Surup Shakti and then he saw this Maya Shakti also at some distance. The implicate Maya Chatadapashrayam. He saw the Maya standing at a distance, kind of behind Bhagavan, like the shadow. If the Surup Shakti is his effulgence, if you will, that makes him shine brightly. Uh, then we could compare the Maya Shakti to the shadow in the background. <coughs> if Radha is the consciousness of, conscious, of consciousness, if you will, if Krishna is the primal consciousness, then Radha is the consciousness of, of his consciousness, then we could, make, we could speak of the Maya Shakti as the subconscious, something like that, the subconscious. So it's at a distance. The implication is that it cannot take precedence over Bhagwan or over his Srup Shakti. Just like shadow or, or darkness cannot stand in the light. And so when he mentioned the Maya Shakti, then he began to mention the Jiva Shakti, which Bhagwan which Bhagwan Vyas also saw. But he says Yaya Samuhita Jiva. He saw the Jiva and he saw the jiva in the proximity of maya, which means that there's a, there's a difference between the jiva, who is consciousness, and Bhagwan. And there's a difference between the jiva shakti and the swarup shakti. And this is the simple difference that the maya shakti can overwhelm the jiva shakti, but stands in the background in relation to Bhagwan or his swarup shakti. So, in talking about the jiva, we talked quite a bit about, about the maya shakti. And we were able to explain the 
idea, the essential idea of the Maya Shakti as given in Srimad Bhagavatam in modern scientific um, terminology and reasoning and observable um, what is what is observable evidence observable evidence about the nature of the objective world of matter if you will which as I said last night comes from the Latin word mater which means mother so mother nature mother Maya <clears throat> Maya Devi if you will is unknown and unknowable it's impossible to know modern science has shown us that the objective world of matter is impossible to know in its virgin state. You cannot get at it. It's not possible. Because, of course, the implication is that, the, that we are not observing nature, but we're observing our observation of nature, which, which uh, how do you say, which... Uh, influences what we uh, observe. These are the findings. There's some details about that we went into. It was very interesting, I found. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to speak like that, or I did speak like, like that, for the purpose of um, emphasizing the, 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 um, The currency, the the the, the value, the the pertinence, the the uh, the fact that the Bhagavad is speaking in an up-to-date way about the world. Hmm? It's speaking in a very up-to-date. It's in a, in a current, contemporary way about the world hmm? by going in an entirely different direction. The uh, with the Western. Uh, philosophical and scientific sensibilities, if you really go in that direction, you really look objectively at it, they end up essentially in the same place, exactly where the Bhagavatam says about the bewildering power of Maya, how it is impossible to know in its detail. Let us know, everyone the Bhagavatam says, and wisely so, it's what's essential about it. It's the magic of Bhagwan. And under the, that spell, there's there's no uh, one need, under that spell to come out from under that spell and know thyself. One needs some help. Otherwise, it's it's not possible. And what you will know by that, it's not that by transcending through the outside help, if you will, from Bhagwan in the form of bhakti. Transcending material nature, you'll know it in all of its details. The implication is it's 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 not possible. It's to use a term that Prabhupada sometimes uses. It's endlessly mutable. It's a transformation of the modes of nature in a, in a Vedic context, a Bhagavad context. To speak about it, and it's 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 absolutely fascinating. Um, and absolutely uh, bewildering. <clears throat> so, the jiva, under the influence of maya, and the implication is that, it, that well, it doesn't have to remain under the influence of maya. So here we're finding a shakti, 
Sarup Shakti, Maya Shakti, Jeev Shakti. And Jeev Shakti is the intermediate Shakti. It is the, what did Prabhupada call the, the marginal Shakti. We have various terms to describe these Shaktis. The, the primary Shakti, the, the intermediate Shakti, the, the secondary Shakti. The um, internal energy, the marginal energy, the external energy. The Sarup Shakti, also known as the Antaranga Shakti. Antaranga means internal. The Maya Shakti, or the Bahiranga Shakti. Bahya means outside energy. Hmm. And the Tatasta Shakti, or the Jeev Shakti. Tatasta is a nice word, because it, it really brings home the point here that I'm bringing up at the moment, that Tata. Tata means the means beach, really. Hmm. And it, it refers to that line that demarks the ocean, if you will, from the, from the sand. A line that you cannot put your finger on. But it seems to exist nonetheless. So the jiva is either dry or wet, something like that. It's either on the land or in, in the water. It's either under the influence of the maya shakti or under the influence of the surup shakti and the surup shakti in its in this, in the form of bhakti. So here he comes to this. He says, "Anarto pasamam sakshad bhakti yogam roksaje lokasya janata vidvam chakre satpata samhita chakre satpata samhita." So in this way, <clears throat> the Vyas he compiled this satpata samhita Sriman Bhagavatam, <clears throat> which is all about the remedial measure. Uh, uh, required for re- freeing the jiva from the uh, influence of the maya shakti. And that remedial measure that the Bhagavatam is all about, that is, bhakti yogam madhoksaje anartopasamam sakshad. So this is a Abhideya Tattva verse. It's uh, speaking directly about the means of deliverance. Abhideya is the means, prayojan, the goal. Um, so some discussion has been given here on all three of the topics, the, the sambandha, the prayojan, the abhideya, different types of knowledge, knowledge about the goal, knowledge about the way hmm, to go there, and knowledge about kind of an, I like to think of it as like a conceptual orientation, what is the what is the jiva? What is Maya? What is Shakti? What is Sarup Shakti? What is Bhagavan? How they relate to one another and so forth. This is Sambanda. Sambanda Tattva, Abhideya Tattva, Prayojan Tattva. Here in this verse, he's spoken indirectly about Abhideya. He's spoken about Prayojan, Sambanda. Here he's speaking directly about the way. He says, Anarto Pasamam Sakshad. Bhakti yoga hmm? is the means then for delivering the jiva from this influence of maya. We talked, as I said, at some length about maya and the bewildering influence of maya and so forth. Those who are there can understand. We, we come out of that class thinking we need some help. It's impossible to. Mamamaya, Duratyaya, Krishna says. It's impossible 
to surmount the influence of maya. Don't even try. It's basically the idea. Don't even try it. And there are sophisticated methods that have um, been uh, put forth or su- uh, uh, suggested as possible uh, measures to overcome that influence. Uh, it is an influence of ignorance, so perhaps knowledge will um, enable us to overcome. Uh, that is one path. Yoga, a very sophisticated path, because the Maya's influence, if you study it carefully, it has something to do with uh, this, uh, the manifestation of a, of, of, of a form, a material form made of senses, the senses being at- attached to sense objects and so forth, and this causing the mental system to fluctuate, be busy, in, mean, in a meaningless sense, and so forth, so a system for controlling that. Hmm. Uh, but, but here, these are not the methods that are uh, uh, recommended by Vyas in his trance. What he saw in his trance was bhakti is the means. Hmm. And this is a very central point of Srimad Bhagavatam. It is in, entire, in its entirety a, the, a thesis on... Uh, on the nature, on the ontological position of bhakti, and it's important to note here that bhakti has an ontological position. It means it's a real substance. Ontology is what a, 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 you know, a description of things that are real. Hmm? So, in the trance of vyas, which is certainly real, uh, in the meditative state of the mind, where the mind is. Uh, closed down, or in this case, it's been taken over by bhakti. Um, this is a very comprehensive way of dealing with the mind. We have, like I said, yoga, gyan, these are attempts to deal with the mind that our uh, Bhagavatam repeatedly presents narratives, stories, to demonstrate the futility of these practices, like the Subari Muni, for example, who was a meditator under the water, for 10,000 years. I mean, you might think, how can somebody meditate on the water for 10,000 years? Um, you, you can believe it or not, it doesn't matter. The point of the story is that the Bhagavatam is making, even if you could live on the water for 10,000 years and meditate, hmm, but uh, this you weren't engaged in bhakti, there's every likelihood that you would take a gulp at one point and have to come up <laughs> for air, and so the story of Subari Muni is like that. A little thing, for that matter. A little movement. In the, he, I guess he opened his eyes in the water, and implication, and he saw two fish in, uh, uh, reproducing, uh, uh, you know, in the act of reproduction, and he lost his, his, uh, his status. I mean, you think, how far has the guy gone? He's gone underwater <laughs> for 10,000 years, you know. It would look like, yeah, he's got something there. He's, he, you know, he, he's not in this world anymore. He, you know, he's not even a breatharian. Hmm? Right? So, you know, he's really gone to the other side. The Bhakti school says, you don't know what the other side is. Hmm? Uh, and you don't know how difficult it is to get out of this side. There's only one way. 
And that is, if from the other side, the other side reaches out to you. This is the idea of bhakti. Gyan, yoga, these are all ascending paths. They, they are not uh, coming from the other side where you want to go. Hmm? They don't have the same efficacy, the same power. If there's an admixture of bhakti into yoga and gyan, then they can have efficacy. If one is a bhakti mishra gyani or a bhakti mishra yogi, in other words, if one is a gyani or a yogi and they mix some bhakti in to their gyan and yoga, they can get mukti. Otherwise, not. This is the emphatic teaching of Bhagavatam and the Gita and if you, and these and all the sacred texts for that matter, if you understand them in context, here's the context, here's the hub, Srimad Bhagavatam, around which all these texts uh, orbit and are to be understood in light of. Hmm? This is the natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, which is the logic of all the sacred sounds of the Upanishads and what they're all, it, it seeks to, to demonstrate how they're all speaking in harmony and saying the same thing, one concentrated message to the jivas hmm? um, who are in many different conditions and thinking in many different ways, so talking about it in different ways from different angles, almost as if it appears that talking about many different paths, it's an incoherent jungle of sounds and so forth that you can't sort out with well, a sutra of Vyas is an attempt to sort all that out. It's the first uh, work in human society of, of theology, which is, theology is to make sense out of revelation. You, know, you found that in Europe, sometime after the Bible, and then the influence of Aristotle, it was found out about books of Aristotle that weren't known, and then the Catholics thought, oh, he's saying something we have to deal with here. And so we have to look at our Bible in relation to that. And then they started to theologize and, and so forth. But long before that, we have the, the work of Vyas. And, of course, it's said that um, the Bhagavat here, this is the natural commentary on the sutras of Vyas by Vyas himself. In other words, he wrote it down in shorthand, so to speak, those sutras, which are difficult to understand, and then he wrote it down in longhand under the influence of, 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 of Narada. This is the whole story here of the writing of the Bhagavatam. We're in the, we're in the middle of it. Hmm? So he went into the trance as, as ordered by his guru, Narada. He had his experience and so forth. And now he's seen Bhagavan, he's seen the Surup Shakti, he's seen Maya Shakti, he's seen the Jiva Shakti, and he sees the Jiva Shakti under Maya, and he sees the remedial measure, and it's Bhakti. Hmm? It's not anything else. If you if you are a yogi again and you mix bhakti, you can achieve some perfection in yoga. If you are a jnani and you mix bhakti, you can see, receive some perfection in jnana. You can get liberation. You cannot get rasa. You cannot taste rasa. You cannot know Bhagavan as rasa, rasovaisaha. You cannot know him like that. If, on the other hand, you are a bhakta and you mix yoga. And you mix jnana hmm, or karma 
into your bhakti so that you're a karma misra bhakta, a yoga misra bhakta, a gyan misra bhakta instead of a gyan bhakti misra. <laughs> so if you're primarily a bhakta, and then you mix in gyan, yoga or karma, then you can get liberation and more. You can get up to shantarasa. Shantarasa. And shantarasa is the only rasa, Rupa Goswami teaches, that having attained, depending upon how you attain that, you can move on from there to dasya rasa, sakya rasa, vatsali rasa, madhuri rasa, and how? By sadhusanga, by meeting such devotees. Otherwise, so that this why one of the reasons this Shantarasa is not emphasized in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's very much played down. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't have anything to do with that. He came to give Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, that what is the makeup of of, uh, of the Braj Leela. Hmm? Not interested in the Shantarasa. Uh, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a great thing. There's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> but uh, the others are so great that you cannot move on from them. Hmm? Having attained that, one cannot, one cannot go anywhere else. One, one doesn't. One might say, well, if you attain the sakirasa, but then you find out that madhurya rasa is, is is higher, if you will, or affords greater intimacy for Bhagwan, then couldn't you change at that time? But the whole point of having attained rasa is that all this evaluation that we do down here is not part of that world. <laughs> Hmm? We are exercising some objectivity to talk. Rupa Goswami is doing it in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, exercising some objectivity to talk about rasa. Hmm. But the ex- subjective experience of rasa, that's the world of Rasananda. And in that world, if one is a Saka or, a, or, a, or a, an elderly Gopa in, in, in Batsali rasa, they won't think that and other rasa is better. Hmm? They think theirs is the best. Even an advancing sadaka in Baba Bhakti will read the text that say to one, Madhurya rasa is the best, as if they're saying something else. Hmm? They'll read the Sakya rasa verses and say, just see. Hmm? When gopis say in, in Venu Gita, the, oh, the perfection of vision is seeing Ram and Krishna entering the forest with their cowherds uh, and, and so forth, then the Sakyarasa Buddhist says, just see, even the gopis are envious of, you know, <laughs> of our position. They're coveting our position. Hmm? And then the Madhurya Rasa Bhaktas read a verse in a different way. And they're not even seeing Ram in that. They're only seeing Krishna enter the forest and... and so on and so forth. So, so this uh, the, uh, difference. This is one difference between them and Shantarasa. Hmm? But of course, we're not interested in karma mishra bhakti, gyan mishra bhakti, yoga mishra bhakti. What to speak of bhakti mishra gyan and so forth. We're interested in shuddha bhakti, anyabilashita shunyam, gyan karmadi anavritam. Anukulena Krishnanu Shivanam Bhaktir Uttamam. And here, this Uttam Bhakti of the Rupa Goswami explains in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, this Uttam Bhakti has different stages. Previously we said, and I cited it, 
bhakti yogena manasi samyak pranahite male. Vyas entered into prema bhakti and he saw all these things. Now he's saying, among the things I saw was bhakti, and I saw bhakti as the remedial measure for the jivas influenced by maya. Hmm? So now he's talking about sadhana bhakti. So there's prema bhakti or sadhya bhakti, the goal, and there's sadhana bhakti, which is the the means, both are bhakti, like a green uh, mango and a ripe red or yellow mango. Both are mangoes, but one is not as tasty as the other. Um, there's some taste if you add a little salt to the green mango, they like that in, in Costa Rica. Uh, people are fond of that. So there is bhakti yoga in practice, bhakti yoga in perfection. And then Rupa Goswami tells us in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that there's another kind of bhakti also called bhava bhakti. So bhava bhakti has elements of sadhana and elements of prem. It's in a category of its own. So there are three types of bhakti, but they're all bhakti. So bhakti begets bhakti, bhaktya sanjataya bhaktya. And here he's speaking about this sadhana bhakti. I'll uh, talk about it, but I want to make the point before doing so, as I mentioned earlier and emphasized it, what he's, he's experiencing here is that bhakti is an ontological reality. In other words, what I'm saying to you is bhakti is not something that you do, but bhakti is something that does you. You, what you can do is agree to participate in bhakti, and then bhakti will do you. In the <laughs> it's not like I have bhakti, and I'm going to do. I'm going to exercise my bhakti. You might exercise your bhakti, or be exercised by what's now your bhakti. Bhakti having come to you, but bhakti is the essence of that Swarup Shakti. It's the most powerful uh, feature of the Swarup Shakti and its primary constituent is Ladini. It's Ladini and Samvit on the plane of Sandini or pure existence. So it has the implication is, it, it, because it has the power to conquer Bhagawan, to overwhelm Bhagawan, then how powerful is it to overwhelm the Maya Shakti that has an influence upon us? Extremely powerful. It can up, powerful overwhelm Bhagawan, who the Maya Shakti cannot come near to, only the shadow of, can never approach directly. But this bhakti, bhakti devi, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, as I say, an ontological substance. It's not just uh, and fully transcendental. And the essence of the sarup shakti, bhakti devi means si radhika, radha krishna pranai, bhakti ladini shakti rasmad, 
Radha Krishna Pranaya means Radha is the love of Krishna manifest in such a way that there becomes a dynamic of subject and object in transcendence. Krishna becomes, he cannot be the object of love unless love is manifest separately from him to turn back on itself. So he, but with the, with the manifestation of Radha, then he becomes the object of love and in that context, the possibility of tasting and reciprocal dealings, which love constitutes, arises. Hmm? Bhakti Devi, Sri Radhika, she's the essence of the internal potency. Hmm? And this, she is like, we're like a drop of water, Krishna's like the ocean, Radha's like the channel. Hmm? It, makes the, it makes the union of the two um, possible. And and as we know, she has the power to overwhelm Krishna. So if bhakti has the power to overwhelm Krishna, this is the implication. How powerful is it then in relation to the maya shakti? And how will any other process, method, of in, in an attempt to overcome the influence of maya, how will it stand in relation to, to bhakti? It's like a like a firefly, what do they call them? Lightning bug? In the daytime, at noon. I mean, the, the, if you compare the, the noon sun to a firefly or lightning bug at, at, at midday, you know, you won't, even, you won't even notice that. These other methods are such in comparison. They have no power to illuminate. Maybe if it's dark out, in the darkness of Maya, they appear to have some illuminating power to an extent. But they can, how much can, however many fireflies you have, you cannot turn out the night. <laughs> you cannot put out the night. When the sun comes then, and the sun comes of its own accord, the night is dissipated. It's almost as if the night wasn't there. It is only the absence of the sun. The sun is there, whether it be absent or present. <laughs> it's, a, it's absent locally, but it's, it's existing, this idea. So this is bhakti, like this. Hmm? It's a very important point. It means that, that we've heard about the jiva shakti, and we're hearing about the sarup shakti, now we're hearing about the sarup shakti, the internal energy of Krishna, in a particular way, in relation to its essential configuration that constitutes bhakti. It means it's, it's a, this configuration is a particular combination of ladini and sambit. Sambit is a kind of knowing, knowing that Krishna is your lover, knowing that Krishna is your friend. There's a corresponding type of ladini or ecstasy that works with that, that combines with that, that takes a shape, right? And this is the this is the swarup of the jiva. It's constituted of this swarup shakti. So, what is our position without bhakti coming into our lives? What is our position? That means to say, if you could remove, if you could remove the maya covering the jiva, let's say you figured out a way, you beat the system somehow or other, and you removed it, where would you be? 
Would you then run up into Krishna's Leela and say, just see, I did it myself. I conquered Maya. I'm ready to enter. He's saying, in a sense, even if you could do it, you can't do it, but even if you could do it, you have no standing in my Leela unto yourself. Why? And we touched on this last night. Because, yes, you are a particle of sat, of enduring being. Yes, you're a particle of chit, of knowing. Yes, you have a, you're a particle of ananda. You have some potential for ananda. Vishnu Purana does say, Satchit anandatmika, Satchit anandatmika. And Jiva Sami cites it in his Paramatmasandarva. The Jiva is full of Satchit ananda, but not too full. It's only a tiny particle. And so, what? The ananda in the jiva, its loving capacity, is not such that on its, on its own strength it can overwhelm Bhagwan. Indeed, yaya sammohita jiva, atmanam trigunatmakam, as we heard last night, the maya shakti overwhelms it. And we don't have any doubt about that. That the maya shakti has the power to overwhelm the jiva that is constituted of satchitananda and turn its, you know, turn produce a cloudy day hmm? or a dark night of the soul. There's no question about that. So you should understand by implication that the jiva unto itself does not have the capacity to overwhelm Krishna, which is what bhakti is about. Hmm? There is some ananda in the jiva, but it's very small. So if we could clear the maya off somehow, well, we would have a unit of Brahmananda, Brahmagyan, hmm? but not Ladini Shakti, not, not, not some bit uh, which combines in different ways to overwhelm the Absolute and turn him into your friend, your lover, hmm? somebody that you're... Cha- this whole implication, Jashodananda, do as I say. Hmm? This is the power of bhakti, in other words. Hmm? Understand? Bhakti has the power to conquer Maya. That's a simple thing. She can conquer Bhagwan. <laughs> but to speak of Maya, it's a small task. Hmm? The jiva cannot conquer Maya. It cannot conquer Bhagwan, even though it is superior to Maya in its constitution, being consciousness. Still, the Maya Shakti has the power. It's Tata. Tata means that it's, uh, as I said earlier, like on the beach, right? Like that borderline. It's, it's marginal. It, uh, excuse me, it can be overwhelmed by Maya. We should have no doubt about that. That's our present uh, experience. So, here Bhagavan Vyas is saying, he saw Bhakti, he saw Bhakti in the form of Sadhana Bhakti as a means to deliver the jiva. So what is sadhana bhakti? We've said that this bhakti is an ontological uh, reality, so it, it, it is the essence of Krishna's sarup shakti. We don't learn anywhere that the sarup shakti is part of the jiva's constitution, right? And the jiva has its own constitution. It's a shakti unto itself. It's the jiva shakti. Hmm? Still, it's made of satchitananda. And what is what is... Sandini, Sambit, and Ladini. 
well, sandini really means existence, and samvit means knowledge, and ladini means ecstasy or love, so being, knowing, and loving. So there, we are some. There's some. We are being, knowing, and loving. Sarupshakti is being, knowing, and loving, but in a big way, and we're in a, in a in a small way. Our being, knowing, and loving is so small that we can be led to believe that we we might not be if we're not careful, which is of course untrue, and we can be very uh, ignorant and cruel hardly loving under the influence of Maya Shakti. So it's like a spark, something like that, from the fire. Hmm? Therefore, Thakur Bhakti would notice that, well, if we look at Sri Radhika as the primal Shakti, presiding over Ladini Shakti, and the entirety, really, of the Surup Shakti, hmm? then we know that all Shaktis emanate from her. So she's the fountainhead of all Shaktis. So in, in that broad sense, both the Maya Shakti and the Jeev Shakti have some relationship with the Sarup Shakti. They're not entirely independent. They are Shaktis. They issue from the fountainhead of all Shaktis. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, very interesting, very, very kind of a theological uh, insight. He said, we will look at the Maya Shakti as a distorted manifestation of Sarup Shakti and the Jeeva is a partial manifestation of Sarup Shakti in that Maya Shakti is Asat, Achit and Nirananda. So it's Asat, it's not Sat, it's Asat. It's here today and gone tomorrow. You can't rely on any manifestation of, of, of Maya Shakti, Asat. Achit, it's not knowing. If you know it, then it, about it, it has some meaning, otherwise unto itself. No. Asat, achit, and nirananda. We know it, it's, it doesn't have any pleasure because when we interact with it, we don't, <laughs> it's no fun. <clears throat> so, meanwhile, the jiva is achitananda. Anu, atomic. And then we have another kind of existence, sandini, samvit, ladini. Hmm? So, uh, with the ingress of that, of bhakti, into the jiva, the jiva easily removes the influence of maya and has the capacity to, to enter into the lila, has standing in the lila. So it's all from beginning to end, this bhakti, in a sense, uh, a blessing. Descending as it does, it's another substance than ourselves, but there's a likeness between ourselves and that substance, as I'm explaining. If we were to take the Maya Shakti and and put Bhakti, try to put Bhakti into the Maya Shakti, it's not that the Maya Shakti is going to become a devotee. That's why Prabhupada and Bhaktivinotakura, following Bhaktivinotakura, sometimes uses language like the Surup of the Jiva and Bhakti is dormant in the Jiva. Hmm. Um, it, it needs to be awakened, something like this, this idea. It means it's like a potential. Hmm. It has, Prabhupada gave the example to explain what he meant in Nectar Devotion when he said, just like a child has a capacity to walk, given certain environmental uh, arrangements, 
So if a child, in other words, grows a little bit and, and his father holds his hand, right, you know, then a certain, with a little help that he can learn to walk, then he can walk. So the jiva has the capacity, it means, dormant within it to function in the spiritual world, given that he's allowed in. <laughs> and bhakti is the generous outreach of Bhagawan, say, come on in. And as a byproduct, come on out of material existence. So there's a dormant kind of, in other words, maya shakti doesn't have that potential. It doesn't matter how much bhakti you give into the maya shakti, it's not going to turn into a devotee. But the jiva shakti has that potential. So it has a, has a potential for love of God that's inherent, that's, that, that, that's dormant. And sometimes Bhakti Thakur would emphasize that and Prabhupada also following would emphasize that point almost as if it sounds like what they mean is that the Surup Shakti is inside of the Jeev Shakti but we think, wait a minute, well, that's a problem here. We, we're learning from uh, the Bhagavatam and from the Goswamis that these are two different Shaktis. Bhakti is constituted of Surup Shakti. Jeeva is constituted of its own Shakti, Jeev Shakti. So we have to think what they're trying to say. Why are they emphasizing? They might emphasize in such a way, because sometimes in the time of Bhakti Vinod, people were going around and saying, I'll give you your Swarup just like that. Hmm? Here, take it. And then you go over here, and then one guy says, This is your Swarup. You go to another one and says, I got it from Bhagwan. It's this. And you go over there down the street, you get another one. So, you know, wait a minute here. There's a problem. You know, there's some, 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 um, misrepresentation and so forth was, was prominent in the eyes of Bhaktivinoda Thakur in the Gaudiya um, Sampradaya at the time. So they emphasized such a way. It's, it, it's, it's, you don't have to get it from any Do bhakti and it'll, it'll awaken. It'll come out, which is true. Of course, bhakti comes from the Guru Parampara bhakti. As soon as you begin chanting or as soon as Kirtan begins to chant you, you know, <laughs> Employ you as an instrument in her uh, in bhakti's outreach, hmm? then bhakti's in your life, hmm? and uh, then you can say, "I'm I'm you know I'm doing my bhakti," but your bhakti has come from somewhere else. In other words, it's come from it's a gracious grant from above. Hmm? So it comes in the form first of sadhana bhakti. Now, in one sense, sadhana bhakti, when we talk about bhakti, uh, then we think, we'll be led to believe or think that, is sadhana bhakti really bhakti? Because it is stated, for example, in the Puranas, ataha shi krishna namadi nabhavid grahimindrai, that you cannot know Krishna with your senses. And here we have senses, and in bhakti we're, using our senses. We're chanting, we're hearing, we may be dancing and so forth. Hmm? We, we, we're engaged in the, these practices of, of bhakti with our senses, but Krishna can't be known with the senses. So, Rupa Goswami, of course, has defined bhakti. He's given a verse in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which is, is a parallel verse in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that some of you may be more familiar with. Parallel verse that Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami 
uh, invokes his own verse, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem Sadhakabunai Shravanadi Sudhachite Kore Udoi. And Rupa Goswami says it like this Kriti Sadhya Babet Sadhya Bhava Cha Saranabhidha Nitya Siddha Sibhava Sya Prakatyam Hridi Sadhyata. After Rupa Goswami's or Jiva Goswami's citing of his Bengali verse, he cites this verse of Rupa Goswami. So if you want to understand the Bengali verse, look at the Sanskrit verse, look at the commentaries of Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami. This is how you understand what our acharyas have taught is sadhana bhakti, kriti sadhya. Kriti means action, and it means senses are the instruments by which we act. So when we act with our senses, in such a way that emotion, bhava, is arrived at. In other words, we may engage with our senses in hearing and chanting, uh, kind of like um, automatically or uh, without any feeling, I want to say. You might feel like, that's a good tune, I like that. That's another, that's like no real feeling. <laughs> uh, the feeling, the self hasn't been aroused sufficiently to start to feel hmm, the emotive reality of bhakti. Hmm. Uh, so, People may wonder, is sadhana bhakti really bhakti? But the Goswamis have said, yes, it's just like if you were to perform a fire sacrifice. Right? Then when you light the fire and you put on the ghee and you say, swaha, then you're doing the fire sacrifice. But in order to do that, somebody's got to go and get the bricks and the sand and the wood and the ingredients and so forth. Now, is getting sand a fire sacrifice? No. Is collecting wood a fire sacrifice? No. Can you do a fire sacrifice without collecting wood? No. So, they've explained in this way. That sadhana bhakti, before emotion has arisen, bhava has arisen, is bhakti, but it's kind of like getting the ingredients for the fire sacrifice. Hmm? It's related to bhakti. It is bhakti. Because hmm? the fire sacrifice can't take place without that. Hmm? But it has, it's not like bhakti proper. It doesn't have, so the things we hear about bhakti, we're thinking, that didn't happen to me because, because you haven't arrived at bhakti proper yet. Hmm? So sadhana bhakti is that activity hmm, which has as its goal kriti sadhya, bhavet sadhya, bhava, sa sadhana bhidha, has as its goal bhava, emotion. Actually, uh, awake, uh, uh, giving rise to emotions from the soul proper. I don't mean from the mind. We have mental emotions and so forth, but those will be retired. Hmm? And spiritual emotions will arise from the heart, having been put in there, so to speak, having in the form of sadhana bhakti. Sadhana bhakti has come to us by the gracious grant of the Guru Parampara. Hmm? Now, someone may think, well, it sounds like bhava bhakti 
is a product of sadhana bhakti and therefore my eternal reality is something that didn't exist at one time and therefore it's not eternal and this is problematic. Therefore he says nityasiddhasya bhavasya prakatyam hridisadhyata therefore and again in the Bengali Krishna Skaviraj says what? Nityasiddha Krishna prem sadhya kabu nai these things go he's saying it two ways positively and negatively nityasiddha uh, Krishna prema nityasiddha Krishna prem or the, the bhav that the prem is constituted of is, is eternally perfect eternally existing sadhya kabu nai it's not something that you will as a result of practice is created this is what happens in the material world in other words we do something and we get a material result. And the result wasn't existing before we performed the act. And bhakti is not like that. If it was, that which was, a, was attained would be something that wasn't eternal. Wouldn't be worth attaining. Hmm? So, sadhika bunai. No, nitya siddhasya bhavasya prakatyam hridisadhyata. Hmm? No. This bhakti descends into the jiva, the opportunity for bhakti. Hmm? And in the context of sadhana bhakti, it's like imitation of a good thing is a good thing, something like that. So with the senses, or you allow the, the, the senses to participate in bhakti, hmm? and as they do over due course of time, prakritya mridhisadhita, then this bhava manifests in the heart. It awakens in the heart. Kare udoi. Shravanadi sudha chitte kare udoi. Shravanadi means bhakti. Hearing, chanting, etc. Shravanadi sudha chitte. The consciousness chitte becomes sudha, pure. And kare udoi. It awakens. Hmm? This is sadhana bhakti. So we should think, how am I doing in sadhana bhakti? My goal is bhava bhakti. Hmm? We are doing it for, for, for a purpose, to turn the, the green mango into a, into a one that has a scent, smells sweet. Hmm? You might pick it even from the tree and it will ripen. So bhava bhakti is like this. Having attained bhava bhakti, prem bhakti will come. Hmm? For sure. If you took the bud off the tree, you wouldn't get a get a you know a, a ripe fruit. <laughs> but if you take a fruit off the tree at a certain point, then you even place it on your windowsill. It will. So when bhava bhakti comes, prem is just nearby. Therefore, when he defines these are important verses, and he defines sadhana bhakti, he defines bhakti anyabilashita sunyam. Chapter one, chapter two, bhakti rasamita sindhu. Chapter two, he defines sadhana bhakti. Chapter three, he defines Baba Bhakti. Shuddha Shatva Visheshatma Prema Suryam Susamyabak. Uchibis Chittamasrina Krit Aso Baba Uchate. We've talked a little bit about this already, but what he, to go over it again with some emphasis, he says, Bhava is Shuddha Shatva Visheshatma Prema Suryam Susamyabak. He gives an example. Prema Suryam Su. It is a ray, amsu, of the surya, of the sun. 
of Prem. Bhava is a ray of the sun of Prem. So, again, as I was saying earlier, the implication is, if you're in your room in the morning and the sun rays start to come in, you know the sun is coming soon, for sure. It's going to surface. And you know what it's like when the sun, for me anyway, when the sun's rays come in the morning, it's like, ah, oh, at last, that's for me. <laughs> the sun, sun person. Sun has come. So bhava is like this. Did you know, oh, there's such assurance in that, such comfort in that. Still one is not perfect in their bhakti. But the churning then of that bhava will turn into prema. So he gives a nice example. Like a ray of the of the sun of prema. Like I said earlier, bhava bhakti has some elements of prema in it, and there are some elements of sadhana. So there's a practice. Now the practice is to cultivate the bhava. Sometimes people try to cultivate bhava in sadhana bhakti. They would do better to cultivate submission hmm? and sharanagati in sadhana bhakti, which will lay a stage, form a stage. Hmm? on which the emotive drama, if you will, of Krishna Bhakti will have some ground in your heart to stand on. Hmm? There's some cultivation of bhava and sadhana bhakti. I mean, we have an ideal, like I've said before, if you go to the mall and you see the map and you want to go to room 108 and you're here, you know, you're, here's the room up here and you are here. You want to know both theoretically, therefore these type of discussions are useful. Hmm? But it's as important to know where you are as to know where you're going to go. Because if, if you know where you are in relation to where you're going to go, you can know what steps to take, what, what steps are pertinent. Hmm? You can't just look at the map and say, you know, I'm here, I want to go there, and I'm just going to sit there and think, I want to go there. You've got to go up the stairs, you got to you know, go through the hallway, you know, whatever, you've got to make some... You gotta make some effort, right? Hmm? Even in sadhana, even in bhava bhakti, some effort. But this is kind of an effortless effort to cultivate the the, the, the bhava, the ray of the sun, the the, the, the essence of prema that's coming in a, in, a, in a amsu in a in a, in, a, in a small measure, but nonetheless has come. So he gives that nice example, and he says. It's an example of what? Shuddha Shatva Visheshatma. Shuddha Shatva means, Shuddha Sattva means, Sattva means your existence. Shuddha Sattva means pure existence. It means the Sandini Shakti that is the ground uh, of not just being, but what would we call it? The, cra- the, the ground of loving, hmm? uh, if you will. There's a famous statement that. that what was his name? Shardin? The ground of being, he coined the phrase. He got kicked out of the church, Catholic church for that one. He's a Jesuit fellow. That kind of thing, for his theologizing at a certain point. I don't know if they were letting him back in, but um, he was talk, talking about, it's a nice phrase, the underlying consciousness that we are all constituted of. Uh, be under, under the ground on which these mushrooms of our present existence arise that have no roots. Hmm. The moss 
of material existence that has no roots, really. We're rooted in Brahman. So, but we're not interested only in the ground of being, but the ground of loving. We won't, don't want to love to be. We want to. We don't want to love to exist to love. Love to exist, but to exist to love. Something like this. So, he says this is this is called Sudasattva, Vishuddhasattva, a pure existence. That is means Sandini Shakti. So, on the ground of the Sandini Shakti, where the whole lila is performed, then uh, there is an ingress into the jiva who becomes situated on that ground an ingress of a particular combination of this rup shakti that is the essence of bhakti ladini and sambit as I said earlier a certain kind of knowing I know that Krishna is my friend and it's a kind of unknowing also that's why I said sometimes subhadra or yogamaya I should say but yogamaya is related to the sambit yogamaya is a kind of unknowing that constitutes the supreme knowing. If I know Krishna as my lover, then that kind of, he's not, he's God. But but he's, it's really the other way around. He's really not God. He really is your lover. This is, and that is, the, we have the praying mamata. We have to go to that, that kind of bhakti. But first, sadhana bhakti, a particular combination of sambit. And if you study Chaitanya Charitamrita for all their prophets' commentary, what is the particular influence of Ladini that combines with different types of sambit. Hmm? It causes the development of the stai, the dominant emotion of love to develop in, a, in particular ways. Hmm? It constitutes the variety of, of goloka. So this, anyway, this is coming into the jiva. And when this comes in to the jiva, this ingress comes in, ruchibis chittamashrinya, the chitta, the heart, the consciousness, the yogic internal organ in which the conscious, consciousness proper is reflected in and, and then perceives the world, so to speak. And, and, and it gets all these vrittis from the world, mental constructs, like waves that make it like disturbing. Hmm? The Yoga Sutra, the idea is to clear the waves and make it placid and calm. Hmm? What do they say? Chitta vritti nirodha, to, to end, nirod, bring an end to all these vrittis in the chitta. These are all these thoughts and ideas and so forth that have me moving around one way, all meaninglessly, uh, in terms of my, my, my purpose. I have a purpose to, to love, a function to love, a potential to love. I'm not getting anywhere past with that. Um, so, in yoga, the idea is to clear that out, but in bhakti, we find here in the trance of Vyas, he had something come on to his chitta. Hmm? Hari, chitta hari. Hmm? <laughs> so the, he had the, 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 the hari vritti, hmm? the, 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 the bhagwan vritti, and bhakti vritti. So it, it, it takes over the mind. Again, you try to conquer the mind, that's very difficult. Decide to sit still and not think. Hmm. This is a very difficult thing. But if Bhagwan and in a form, if, if Bhakti comes onto your mind and takes it over, hmm, then uh, no possibility of thinking in any in any other way. Something like that. So uh, Rupa Goswami says this this chitta, this heart, this consciousness, if you will. This, the, 
internal organ becomes softened, bhakti manifests on it. Just like if you were to take an iron rod and stick it in the fire, it would become like fire. Hmm? So bhakti takes over the body, the senses of the devotee, takes over the mind. We find, let's take Prabhupada for example, he preached in a certain way at a certain time and certain circumstance. It was very powerful and effective. Hmm? Sometimes now people look at some of the things he said and say, why did he say that? That's not very effective on me. I'm not sure about that. It's a different time. It's 40 years later in a, in a very information, you know, prominent uh, environment and so forth. Hmm? The point is, he was used at a particular time to speak in a certain way. Hmm? And it was very effective. Hmm? And then his mind had taken over by bhakti, and so in, 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 in this way he spoke, hmm? in this way he wrote, in this way he acted, hmm? and had a very powerful influence. Other times devotees' minds will be taken over by bhakti and they speak about it in a different way and so forth. This is the idea. Hmm? Of course, it will all, some of it will be good in all times, in all circumstances. Some of it is relative to time and circumstance. It will have more power in one circumstance than it will in another. Hmm? So bhakti takes over the life of the devotee, the, 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 the mind, uh, the whole mental system and the senses of the devotee. So this, and, and he develops in bhava bhakti, or she develops... Ruchibis chittamasrinya. Ruchibis, certain ruchis, taste, like desires, desire to serve Bhagawan, to meet him, to have a, enter into a particular relationship with him. These three abhilas, desires, start to awaken in the heart of the jiva. This is Baba Bhakti. Now this is Bhakti proper. And now one is also using this hearing and chanting and so forth. The senses are moving, but there is a, a different uh, force behind that, a motivation, a spiritual emotion. is. Otherwise it's imitation. And sometimes it gets out of hand, we say. Not that kind of... They're dancing and you know it just becomes a dance thing instead of a you know, kirtan and so forth. And it's dangerous in some of those kirtans, I've heard. <laughs> so this is, a, well, I'll give you an example of what I'm saying. One time I was with Prabhupada and, and Brahmananda was his assistant. Brahmananda uh, uh, was a big guy, I mean, real big. And um, so during the kirtan, after the Bhagavatam class, there would always be a short kirtan uh, that one of the devotees would lead. And so during that kirtan, Brahmananda, he started to dance. He kind of like did this one, two, step back and go forward like this. Step back and going forward like this. He's a big guy, and so other people just started, you know, <laughs> do it like that, you know, following him. And then Prabhupada said, I saw Brahmananda, and I thought, he's attained the bhava. And then I realized, oh, it is just his concoction. <laughs> He's just dancing, doing something. You know, he's, not, he didn't, he's not moving out of bhava. Now, some people think, well, if you move, and maybe bhava will come, or something like that. They used to kind of teach like that in ISKCON, and the, make those brahmacharis dance. You know? <laughs> I think they, you know, want to get them like out of their head, so to speak, kind of. You know, 
get out of your head. But you don't want to get out of your head just to get into your body either, so <laughs> it can go a little overboard sometimes. Hmm? So here in Bhava Bhakti, then there's movement. There is a, there is some intelligence is applied. Like let me raise my hands. I feel, you know, let me. You know. And then there are also, of course, involuntary uh, movements in Bhava Bhakti. Hairs bristling and tears. These are the very beginning. Horripilation and tears. Any devotee can experience this. Even some Baba Boss at some time. Hmm? It's a small thing beginning. And in other developments, and so forth. This is Bhava Bhakti. And Bhava Bhakti is all the cultivation of a stai, a dominant emotion of loving Krishna, starts to make its appearance as Bhava Bhakti awakens. And cultivating that, we come to Prem. And Prem is really the distillation of the um, Bhava. This is its Sruplakshan. In the fourth chapter of Bhaktivedanta Sindhu, then he gives Rupa Goswami gives the definition of Prem Bhakti, the, the distilling Sandrandatma, the distilling of the uh, of, of Bhava, hmm? and its marginal characteristics means that it, it's it the heart that is was softened by Prem by, by Bhava hmm? has now melted. Hmm? One thing to be soft, another thing to melt, right? Soft butter and melted butter, two different things. So completely melted, hmm? and a sense of mamata. It means minus that Krishna is mine. Hmm? This is prem. So in this way, there are bhakti. I want to say here the subject in the verse is anartopasamam sakshad bhakti That he saw suffering of the jivan. He saw the remedial measures to be bhakti, and that bhakti, as the commentators have said is the essence of the surup shakti. Hmm? It descends through the parampara in the form of sadhana bhakti. The result of sadhana bhakti, properly performed under good guidance, is that it begets spiritual emotion. Hmm? Bhakti is both movement and emotion. Movement and emotion. Both things. Hmm? So a little movement and, 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 uh, and then the emotion is coming. Hmm? And so this then, as I say, this was this he thought this is the remedial measure. The anarta, anarta pasamam saksha, the anartas, the false values that are arising from the influence of the Maya Shakti, they all pale, they all disappear in relation to the value that one is experiencing, um, uh, derived from 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 bhakti. Hmm? And it's said here then. Vyas, having seen these things, hmm, what lokasa janatu vidvams chakre samhita, in relation to the world, he saw all these things. I mean, he realized all these things in, in a trance of prem bhakti, and so when he was to look to the world, he had gone to the other side, right? And when he was to look to the world, lokasya means lo the world, lokasya janata. Vidvams chakra, chakra sam, sattvata samhita. He looked to the world and so he wrote, it means out of compassion. Hmm? Loka sajanata vidvams. Uh, so what is it said about like, Sadgasami? Lokanam hitakarino tribune manyo sharanya karo. 
नाना शास्त्र विचार नैक निपुण सदर्म संस्थापको लोकानम हित कारणो लोकनम हित कारणो त्रिभुवन मे दे हेड ग्रेट दव इफ यू विल इन दिस वर्ल्ड ऑफ सच अवी इज कम्पैशनेट लव दैट्स कैन लाइक अलमोस्ट अ शैडो ऑफ लव ऑफ गॉड दैट्स वाई इज सैड दैट दिस भक्ति the essence of the krishna swarup shakti arises from his anugraha shakti his kripa shakti kripa means mercy so the kripa shakti and what is the kripa shakti the devotee the vaishnav that is the kripa shakti this is the agency through which krishna's compassion for the fallen jeevas is expressed this is a very important philosophical point is how then important the vaishnava will be to us in comparison to krishna we almost lose interest in krishna he doesn't even have compassion for us <laughs> and he goes krishna have any compassion for us if i say no not really what kind of god is that hmm? but in the form of his devotee who's non different from him right who is the embodiment of love that corresponds with him who is the he who is the object of that love hmm? that mercy is fully manifest so again with the vaishnavism we say we don't say it's vishnuism but it's vaishnavism who are who are devotees of vishnu so they're going out you know selling those books in this in this regard in this section here he says what i just to touch on this point he says yasyam vai shuyamanayam कृष्णे परम पुरुषे भक्ति उत्पद्यते सिंपली गिविंग ऑरल रिसेप्शन टू द वेदिक लिटरेचर मीन्स टू भागवतम द फीलिंग फॉर लविंग सर्विस टू कृष्ण द परम पुरुष स्प्राउट्स वंस एक्सटिंग्विश द फायर लैमेंटेशन एंड फियर इन दिस कामेंटरी विश्वनाथ चक्रवी ठाकुर सेस सो यू लाइक दिस वट सम ऑफ यू what to speak of hearing it hmm how you will be benefited shrimad bhagavatam which is all about bhakti it is the radha bhagavatam shrimad bhagavatam in radha radhika means bhakti personify the full measure of bhakti that's why we say sometimes in gaudi vaishnavism radha bhagavatam shrimad means sri hmm this is what it's all about la radha's love for krishna so if you hear about it it's almost like you're hearing you're hearing about that krishna becomes oh guys go there and quiet you <laughs> pay attention pay attention to you you're you're hearing about radha's love for me i'm i'm interested in that can you help me with that something like that so if you hear about it such benefit will come to you and vishnu chakravarti talker in his commentary says and what then will be the benefit if you speak about it even more hmm he said and then he says and what if what if you engage other people in speaking about it then this is what probably was trying to do <laughs> he's trying to get us all out of there to sell those books the bhagavatams and so forth he's thinking i'm going to benefit a lot from this <laughs> they're going to i'm going to hear it i'm going to speak it i'm going to get them to speak it and, and other people to hear it through them and so on and so forth This is the problem I was speaking about the other day at your house. That devotees have a problem. Hmm? This is how they they, they solve it. They have to sh- 
have to share this thing, they have to take advantage of it and so forth, what's happening to them, they have to express it in some way. So, so such as Srimad Bhagavatam, hmm? there you find the remedial measure, measure. This is the essence of the scripture, it is bhakti, and it, uh, it has no, as a, as a means, there's not even worth talking about anything else as a means to solve the problem. There is no other means. Hmm? So again, it can conquer Bhagawan. What to speak of Maya? That is a small thing. Hmm? And what is our position? We cannot conquer Bhagawan. We cannot conquer even Maya. What to speak of Bhagawan? <laughs> so, so how much love do we have in us? We need a kind of a an infusion, an infusion of love that our loving potential is atomic. Hmm? given the right circumstances, might be realized. So we have a potential to love Bhagwan that Maya Shakti doesn't have. Hmm? A dormant uh, potential. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Sanatana Goswami, this bhakti is like an inheritance. Hmm? He said, don't go to, the, go to the west, north, or the south, and you'll be there'll be problems. Gyan, yoga, karma, you, you describe them in different ways. One of them is like a hornet's nest. If you go there, you'll get stung. And this one, uh, go to the east, he said. Hmm. Bhakti. Hmm. He said, it's, it was the, the story was that the Mahaprabhu told Sanatana that an astrologer met a fellow and the fellow said he was, you know, very unfortunate. The astrologer looked at this chart and said, you're not unfortunate at all. It's in your chart here. If certain circumstances are met, that's how the chart works, right? Hmm? That you can, there's a treasure that you can attain. Hmm? Of course, astrological example only goes so far because the most important planet is not in the chart. That's called Goloka. But uh, it's in our chart. This is the point. Bhakti has come to us, so that's in our chart now. You can attain that. You, you can attain because you have the potential given the circumstances, the right environment. What's the right environment? Sadhu Sangha, Guru Parampara, and so forth. Then it becomes possible. Like the child can walk under certain circumstances. So, any question? Yes? So sometimes in Sadhana Bhakti, you get some experience of something that seems transcendent beyond. And, it, it, and so it's, you know, for Prabhupada using the word shadow attachment and something. So you're talking about sadhana bhakti coming into the heart and you have those little glimpses, say. So what is that exactly? Is that Srup Shakti coming, giving a little drop of... Srup Shakti is there. Bhakti is Srup Shakti. Uh, so Kirtan is Srup Shakti. How much you can take advantage of it and 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 enter into it, that that that's that's um, remains to be seen in the over you know what period of time and so forth. But but yeah, even in sadhana bhakti, you can have darshan. It's possible. But uh, I think you have lesser moments as well that are extraordinarily compelling and. Uh, or uh, you, you, can, you can experience, I would say, up to bhava bhas, an abhas, a shadow of bhava. This is a great um, blessing. Hmm? It would be so confirming, a shadow of what 
is to come, something like that. So you, many devotees, they may be fortunate to experience bhava bhas. Or, you know, it's the, there's, there's, as a result of the bhakti, there's a parting of the, uh, the lessening, uh, loosening, loosening of the influence of the, the um, modes of nature. Hmm? The mind might be still for a moment. You might taste yourself the bliss that you are a unit of hmm? uh, as well, even. So, uh, yeah, those experiences are, are confirming and they should, they should be... You should expect them in sadhana bhakti. If you do sadhana bhakti very diligently, as you as you should, do or die kind of a spirit, then you get some glimpse. What else? Yes. How is the like the love that we feel for each other? Like we feel love for the devotees, and love love our parents, our children. How how is that love related to bhakti? Depends how much it's it it, it constitutes bhakti. Hmm. If you love another devotee because they're a devotee, that's one thing. If you love another devotee not because they're a devotee, but for some other reason or something like that, then it's it's uh, really the influence of the Maya Shakti. Hmm? Um, so we want to say it's a reflection then of real love. Even the reflection of real love seems enticing and 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 and, and valuable, but it unfortunately. If you were to play that out entirely unto itself, it would be disappointing. Hmm? And uh, therefore, we we tend to you know change our object of love because <laughs> it tends to be disappointing. We might love our husband, and then it gets boring. So we have kids, and you know we give our attention. There's some love there, and so on. All these things. So uh, either Krishna is the object who. Reposing ourselves in, in the context of the opportunity to do so, that is bhakti, hmm, enables us to experience what uh, real love is. Otherwise, we are only experiencing a shadow of that, or, or I should say, a reflection of that. Hmm? Well, if you love your Family and your friends and other people and so forth, in 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 a in a proper way. And I think what you mean by that is you don't. You see, uh, Eric Fromm said that he was pretty good. That the best, the one who is most suited for a relationship is the one who feels the need for a relationship least. Something like that, right? Hmm? How's that sound? Gone by? Right. So the one who is least needy is the best suited for being in a relationship. But a relationship is about giving. That's what it's about. But we think it's about taking. And I'm needy, so I need a relationship. So as much as you are approaching from that perspective is as little as your your loving. Now, I want to say that <clears throat> that uh, um, if you repose some loving, some giving out of your own fullness of even just as a material, you know, balanced person mm-hmm. in, in an object other than Krishna, which is kind of what you're talking about, 
then that will have some value. That's why it's said love somehow, you know, somewhere. Give, give somewhere. Hmm? Yeah, but give. Is it, some, is it like practice? Well, it's, it's, it's an act of self-sacrificing by which the influence of material nature slackens because the influence of material nature is all about taking. It's forcing us to take, to be takers. So it's that's good. Hmm? And then you're in a better position, in a sense, to take advantage of bhakti. Like if I take bhakti and I pour it on somebody that is really materially needy and uh, in wants, uh, well, you know, there are examples. Arto jignasu artarti kyani cha bharatarshava. Four kinds of people take to bhakti, those in need of material, who want material acquisition, those who are distressed, the seekers, and those in knowledge. It will react on different people in different ways. So you may put yourself in a position to take advantage of bhakti by such that much more. Hmm? Whereas the person who wants material acquisition and so forth, this is their, the, the hub around which their, you know, their, their life is orbiting, their principal motivation, and they, they take to bhakti, then they, they're not in as good of a position to take advantage of bhakti. That's where it's said in the beginning of the Bhagavatam, what does it say? Dharma projita kaitavotra paramo nirmat saranam satam vedyam vastava matu vastu shivadam tapatrayon mulam srimad bhagavate mahamunikrite kimba pararishvara sadyo hridi abaruddhite tra kitibhisususubhistakshana sadyo hridi abaruddhite tra Krishna immediately becomes arrested in the heart of one who hears srimad bhagavatam. But Jiva Goswami says, well, it depends what the person is who's hearing the Bhagavatam. If he's a jnani, it'll happen right away because his heart is pure. He has knowledge, means he has no material desire. If he's a seeker, but also if he's looking for something in maya, here's the Bhagavatam, it's going to be perhaps take a little more time. Hmm? Verse also means that if one, the sadhana bhakti, because it begets bhava bhakti, hmm, if we're hearing Bhagavatam as a sadhana bhakta, you'll, you'll, you will arrest Krishna in your heart because it will develop into Baba bhakti and so forth. So anyway, my point is, your condition, your situation, uh, will de- have something to do with how how much you take advantage of bhakti. And so you should, we should try to, even in an ordinary sense, I want to say, position ourselves in the world as a lover rather than a taker. Hmm? And then, of course, the more that our relationships are with devotees and are based on their devotion and out of like, you know, like, uh, you know, if I know another devotee, I remember I used to go out and sell books at the Los Angeles airport years ago and we were, it was me and Leela Shakti, some of you may know her, we used to, we had to wear disguises at that time, you know, dressing secular clothing and so forth. And it'd be this sea of all these people. She and I were the only ones out there trying to like sell people books, you know, carrying a suitcase and and whatnot. 
it was Ill- illegal and so on. So, and then sometimes, like on a Friday afternoon, it was real busy at a, at a distance. I'd see her, you know, at the bottom of the escalator, and I think, I love that, you know. I mean, I, there was a bond, you know. She and I, like, we're doing the same thing out here. I know how she's feeling. She knows how I'm feeling, and we could just look at one another and go. You were there, I was there, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. So uh, the more, you know, as I say, our relationships, our love for one another is based on the sacrifices that we're making for Guru and Goranga. Hmm? These are in, in, endearing. That's why, you know, you think about that's why you cannot take these statements of Prabhupada that trashes Godbrothers sometimes seriously. Not entirely. Hmm? Because, you know, they were in the trenches together, you know, and they had the right to criticize one another and so forth. And some of them were, were you know, were, one of Prophet's Gabbard, he, he, he criticized pretty strong, he criticized Bon Maharaj pretty, pretty strongly, it's, uh, with some strong language at times, his Gabbard, Bhakti Ridai Bon Maharaj. Hmm? And some of us would go there and he'd read that, and just, you know, see, but Prabhupada sent me Long after those statements were made, he sent me to Bon Maharaj's moth in Vrindavan to honor his the birthday of Bon Maharaj, his Vyasa Puja, as a representative of Prabhupada. Go there, pay respects, take prasadam, and I'm going there and offering my respects, you know, through you. So, you know, these are the. In other words, there's a bond that's formed by serving the Guru and Goranga, making the sacrifices and so forth. That really is. Uh, uh, kind of the substance of our uh, relationship with uh, with our God brothers and God sisters and so on and so forth, uh, other devotees, and the differences are all sh- really should be seen as very superficial. And uh, but anyway, based on those those kind of I, you know we, we were sacri- we sacrificed together. We you know we moved this you know to. Asheville area, and it was, you know, difficult, you know. <laughs> and there it was, Swami was there, sitting at the fire, you know. It wasn't enough to eat, or whatever, and it rained, and, you know, all those kind of things. And later on, you know, you laugh about that, and you tell the new devotees, and, and so forth. So, mm-hmm. And you have a bond, so, for bhakti. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. What else? Yeah. No, he doesn't have to be concerned. The devotee here, she doesn't have to be concerned about getting waylaid to Baikuntha. If they study the texts and they follow their guru, who's pursuing the the, the Vrindavan uh, Lila or uh, uh, exemplifying that, that ideal. So, um, therefore, Jiva Goswami says, one who doesn't have a taste for Rag Bhakti can still be a rag bhakta by attaching themselves to a devotee who has a taste for that, which is the kind of the whole thing is about taste. Hmm? And that person should follow that devotee's ideal 
So you could say, I want the idea, I want to attain the Brajalila. Hmm? Well, if you think like that, then you're never going to go to Vaikuntha. Hmm? Now, you cannot implement necessarily all of the practices that that are um, uh, part of that path to attain there. It's a particular path, and there are certain practices that have to be put put in place in order to, to go there. But you may not be at a point, not having a taste, to be able to incorporate all those practices. Hmm? Therefore, Jiva Goswami says in Bhagavad you should incorporate as many as you can and um, combine that with Vaidhi Bhakti, which means basically hearing, chanting, worshipping the deity, and so it's all Vaidhi Bhakti. And, 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 and then you're, you're called an Ajata Ruchi, Raga Bhakti, or Ajata Rati. You haven't got Bhava, you haven't got Ruchi. Hmm? But uh, nonetheless, that's your goal. That's your ideal. You see, that the difference between really Vaidhi Bhakti and Raga Bhakti is not so much the activity as it is the orientation. So if your orientation is, like a devotee told me many, many years ago in Los Angeles, he said, you know, he was an older devotee and I was a new devotee, he said, you know, most of the devotees, they, they don't go to Goloka Vrindavan, they go to Vaikuntha. And I just couldn't believe it. I started to cry. I thought, That's, that sounds horrible, you know. Yeah, we're here to go, you know, Krishna's Leela isn't even there in Vaikuntha. So then I found out it wasn't true. <laughs> so... Um, Oh, if your orientation is, this is my ideal, I want to attain the Brajalila, hmm? then what your ideal is, that you will become. Your, your, your sadhya, your goal, your attainment, is relative to your sadhana, your practice. So even if in a crude way and so forth, without, you, you, maybe you cannot, you know, your, your, your internal, in Baba, this, this, the, 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 the Siddhadeya starts to, Manifest and so then it's cultivated. So you can't do that if you don't have that. Hmm? And so that's that's part of the practice of of of, of rag bhakti. So beforehand, and you hear a chant till it comes. So forth, and you're on the straight and not so narrow. But, uh, you're on the road to the right place. You never go to Baikunta. It's impossible. You got to want to go to Baikunta to go there. Hmm? So the same practices, hearing, chanting, and so forth, you can do with a rag orientation for Vrindavan Leela or for, with a Vaikuntha orientation. Hmm? Now, if you want to say, well, I feel that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, you know, and, he, and I want to worship him, you know, reverentially and, and so forth. I don't feel comfortable thinking of him as my friend or lover. And that's, I'm not high enough for that and so forth. And, yeah, it's fine. You know, Krishna is the supreme personality of God, and He says in the Gita that you have to understand that point in order to develop raga for me, raga baba samanbita ahamsabha suprabhava matasavam pravartate. And this is this is this is Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam, and that sound is not uttered in Vaikuntha. You won't hear that in Vaikuntha. Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam. You understand? So in terms of tattva, without any bhava, hmm? you take this route for tattva. Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam. Krishna is the, is the supreme personality of God. It means Krishna is the source of Narayan. Nobody in Vaikuntha thinks like that. Hmm? 
So if you think like that, you haven't got any bhava, you think like that, that's where you're going to go. You won't go to Vaikuntha. Does that help? Yes. You were talking about how the different, uh, here in the third conception, we can uh, have a hierarchy of what is the best relationship, whether it's marital, whether it's mechanical, or parental, or as a kind of way. So that's our understanding. So when, uh, when things like this come up, I have a tendency to look at the examples that are material. For example, there is a very, very wonderful person, uh, very gifted, very handsome, very attractive. The mother will be very proud of her son. The wife will be very proud of her husband. The children will be very proud of their father. Nobody's going to want to exchange the relationship that they have with him. So in that way, this is just a material example to, to understand that the, the study bother that each one has with Krishna is perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like to, I like to think that way to try to, to understand the concepts. Right, otherwise, yeah. The question, the question is, yeah. um, uh, this is a little bit, um, um, what do you call this? Well, the question is, is the, the bhakti is coming to the heart of the person through the agency of uh, the advanced devotees. Mm-hmm. Really, we're Surely all devotees have some love for Krishna, regardless of what stage they're in. And so they can share that with others. If they have enthusiasm for serving Krishna, they can share their enthusiasm for serving Krishna. And then they have knowledge about what it means to serve Krishna, theoretical knowledge. They can share the theoretical knowledge with people, which is very compelling, and bring, help to bring people on the path. They can create... Sukriti for people. You can bring them to the temple. You can bring them to a sadhu whom you feel is, a, is an advanced devotee. You can engage them in chanting. You can do all those things. So you can be uh, a medium to create bhakti sukriti in people. Hmm? And uh, the more that bhakti sukriti is um, engaged in, if you will, the more one has the capacity to understand bhakti and Participate in bhakti ultimately, so you should definitely, yeah, you can definitely share that. What else? Yes, Mara. How much should we be reading every day? Well, it depends. Uh, some people like to read more, some people like to chant more, some people like to serve the deity more, and so forth. So it kind of depends on um, one's own appetite. The idea is to somehow get yourself engaged and absorbed. Um, some people may find reading and studying and a little challenging, um, and it is you know when we're talking about something it's a pretty complex theology and so forth, and it depends in one sense um, how much one needs that in order to be motivated to engage. One may not need as much 
as another to be motivated to engage. At the same time, there is some necessity to kind of understand what it is I'm doing and sort it out. Sometimes you get a, 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 you get a, you know, you check and see if your understanding of what you're doing is really corresponding with what, what bhakti is and so forth. So, um, I, I, I'd, I'd say that, uh, I, I would say that, hmm, in my experience that a good majority of Prabhupada's disciples could do well to to read a little bit more, <laughs> something like that. Or you can hear, you know, listen to lectures and so forth that, that may be easier to do and uh, that may be even more, it, it, you know, it's hard to read. All, if somebody has sorted all these things out and quotes the right verses and so forth for you, then that uh, makes, it, makes it easier. But I think that um, as a whole, at large, Prabhupada's disciples, uh, whom you are one of the prominent disciples would do well to learn a little bit more tattva. forget the story. I think, you know, there's some abuse sometimes on the people who are asking you to do service, too. I think that was more an example of that. People have to be qualified to accept service. But, I, I, you know, you want to, it's just like the example of tolerance that I was speaking about the other day. We're asked to tolerate. Hmm? But we're also told, we're told we should to learn to, to tolerate. Mahaprabhu said, Tarora Pisa to be tolerant like a tree. At the same time, and a tree is pretty tolerant because it stands there and the rain comes and it gives you shelter from the rain and the heat comes, it gives you shelter from the heat. If you decide to chop it down, it provides shade for you while you, so you don't have to perspire while doing so. It's very tolerant. Hmm. Um, so we're asked to, tolerant, to be tolerant in no small measure. At the same time, we're also told that you should find a favorable environment for bhakti, good association with like-minded persons, Snigdasya, sneha, snigdasya, svajatya. Svajatya is people who are like-minded, so on and so forth. So, tolerate in the context of that, not just, you know, you go look for a situation. Somebody said to me, you know, Marge, it would be great if you joined DISCON. You know, you, you know, I know it would be hard for you because you'd have to tolerate so many things, but tolerance is a good quality. I said, I've got enough of things to tolerate without having to go there. Uh, uh, or anywhere else, you know, I'd go in a favorable environment, try to create a favorable environment in the context of that, as much as I have to tolerate, and, you know, I will tolerate. So, the, so some, you know, kind of balance like that. You know, we, we want to give, we want to be giving p- 
people we want to give ultimately to Krishna. If we have other opportunities to give on the peripheral, if you will, it's said, you know, water the root of the tree, the whole tree will be benefited. But there are some instances where it's maybe useful to also put some water on the leaves, especially if they've got, you know, aphids or something, uh, you know. So, uh, um, you know, in your everyday life, if you are a giver, um, if you are a, for example, if you are a compassionate soul, and you want to save the drowning person, to use Prophet's example, rather than their clothes, right? He gave that example to differentiate between real compassion and the shadow of compassion. You can go and work and feed people and help poor people and do all kinds of things like that, but you're not really solving their problem. Ultimately, you're treating the symptom rather than the disease. Fine. But in the context of treating the disease... We can also, if the opportunity arises, we can also alleviate the symptoms. And sometimes alleviating symptoms will help people overcome the disease, right? Uh, and so, like, you know, when I talk to my students, I ask them, so how's it going? You know, you got a job or did you lose your job? How's your relationship? You know, I mean, I ask them that sometimes. And I earnestly ask because I want to know, well, how is their material situation? Is it out of balance? Are they too, uh, you know, troubled by, by, by that, um, that they really can't take advantage of bhakti, they can't practice with concentration and so, and so forth. And, and then I'll tell them, work on that, you know. Don't worry about the other thing right now. Get, the, get that together, you know. Find the, you know, the man of your life or whatever or something. You know? And it, you know, give them a little room like that. So, so they're not in like, thinking, I should be chanting, I shouldn't be doing but I need this, but, you know, it's just like neurotic. So, sometimes there's a place for pouring water on the leaf. And so, if you really do give to the senator, then opportunities will arise for water in the branches, and you'll naturally be understand that in relation to the senator, and you'll give, and, and so on. But, but you need your own space, too. Yeah, that's a fact. Mm-hmm. And Charity begins at home too, so you also need watering both on the both on the leaves, probably and in the, on the root. So it's not that you're supposed to give in such a way that you start to feel um, depleted or something like that. What else? Yes. Yeah. I think you. I think you got to be. Take your pulse, you know. Take your temperature. You want to make some progress here, so you can't go on forever in the name of, of a gradual, gradual process. Um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's not going to happen overnight, no matter what you do, probably, and how you go about it. So. Uh, with that in mind, you know, what can I say? You have to find the balance that you're, you're talking about. I can't tell you what it is because it's a little bit different for everybody. But uh, you should be concerned that you're, 
you're you're about making some progress, I would say. It's possible. The, the things are, it's ex, 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 bhakti is experienceable, if you will, and uh, orient yourself accordingly. Um, you may find different types of engagements are more helpful for becoming absorbed than, than uh, it might, might be, you know, for one month you're going to read the Bhagavatam. As somebody asked me last night, who who was going to be our host, but then some other devotees apparently intimidated him and said you shouldn't invite you know Swami to your temple because you know he left Iskon or to your house he left Iskon and what else did they say he left Iskon and he did something else. Oh, and they and they said. Yeah, they, they, you shouldn't go to his house because he doesn't require his disciples to chant 16 rounds and they chant different numbers, some of them. We don't know what those numbers are. And, <laughs> and he left Iskon, something like that. And so, I don't know, how did I get onto this topic? What was I? It was about and about rigid, rigidity and balance. Imbalance, and the devotee coming to you and making progress. Yeah, I don't know why I started talking about this now in relation to all those things. Anyway, to tell a story, I said to him, well, you tell those devotees, he was asking, how shall I answer the devotees? I said, tell the devotees that I don't listen to Prabhupada. He said, huh? <laughs> You know why? Because he left the Gaudiya Mat. I said, you know, well, you know, another reason why I would never invite Prabhupada to my house. He said, why? I said, because he didn't tell his disciples to chant 64 rounds a day. Can you believe that? That's how deviant he was. He told him to chant only 16. One quarter of the amount that Bhakti Siddhanta, you know, the Mahaprabhu mandated. So I would never go there. And he, I, he got the point, I think. <laughs> he got the point. I don't know how that relates to what we were talking about. <laughs> I had a thought there somewhere, but I can't make a connection now. Maybe I'm breaking down. We should save these questions for the evening. Okay, last question. Well, in this life, what about a person? I mean, we have, we have the examples of devotees of my generation, of prophets, year after year, sadhana, year after year, and pretty good sadhana, but they're not going anywhere. I mean, oh, then, 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 then. They need good association. You know, they, that's the whole idea. Prabhupada wanted that his um, more advanced disciples, he wanted his sannyasis to be able to go around and preach to all the devotees, as they do classically in any, you know, in, in any, in any situation, in any you know, sect. Sannyasis would go and preach, and they would ensure the purity and that the, the con- people were on track conceptually and, and so on and so forth. And, and Sadhu Sangha is, is really the, you know, the, kind of the birthplace of, of bhakti. So, hmm. 
it's uh, also the most uh, nourishing element. At a certain point, you'll get more nourishment from sadhasanga than you will from your ability to chant and pay attention, which may be limited. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are chanting 16 rounds like that, like you say, and they, the last thing they want is, is to come and hear some sannyasi speak. I mean, obviously, some sannyasis have um, disappoint, disappointed by their example, but the, as much as there is a bad example of something, it only speaks that much louder to the fact that, you know, they're a bad example of something that that's, that's good, so there must be a good example, so I should seek it out. So we should seek out good association, and I, I think that that's um, we're really, um, is really, really important until you can become good association. Even then you want good association for yourself. Hmm? But you may be able to draw down from, you know, from the other world, good good association and understanding and so forth more readily than than others. And if they can't, they, I mean, they can read the books and completely misconstrue them. It's all over the internet. Guy quotes this, they doesn't know they don't know what they're talking about half the time. They have no idea. Hmm? And um, it's very you know it's very unfortunate. But so they need sadhusanga. Hmm? This this will help us. Yeah. And really, you know, if we really have sadhusanga, we, we, we have a Vaishnava that thinks about us and so forth, we think, I'm in good shape. You know? Somebody of spiritual consequence cares about me, thinks about me, then, you know, that may not, he may tell you to do something too, or she may tell you to do something, but, <laughs> but uh, then you're in good hands, so. We'll stop there. Gantara Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai. Bhagavad Bhakta Brinda Kijai. Bhagavad Premanandebhul.